You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. I am your host, Steve Kent. I am joined, as always, by Lou, and we also have Diane on the line with us. Uh, For anybody who has yet to uh, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast yet, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Uh, We have a lot to get to, um, why don't we start out, uh, let's see, let's start out with, well, we got a lot, actually, yeah. for to, to, to even get to. Uh, we will be doing the games, uh, the Games Gridiron Bowl Bonanza picks tonight. Uh, both Lou and I will pick our uh, each each pick yes. uh, against the spread. Uh, we will be doing those live on the show tonight. Uh, let's see. Why don't we start with MLB free agency, Lou? Because yeah, there's. Yes. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, you know, I promised. I promised everybody. I, I know I was. Uh, I was light on uh, Matt Patricia last week. Uh, weren't we all? Yeah, I. I, I was. I was kind of light on Matt Patricia. I don't think I'm going to be light on John Henry this week because. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you are yeah, Well, you you two know how I'm a Red Sox fan. Yes. Yeah. And you know just exactly, uh, you know, how passionate I am about certain players and whatnot. And right, as am I. One of the, and okay. one of the players, one of the players I want to talk about first is Xander Bogart, who has oh, officially yeah. signed, he's officially signed an 11-year deal Ooh. worth about worth about $280 million with the San Diego yep. Padres. Now, let's keep in mind, this guy's 30 years old. He's going to be 41 at the end of the contract, assuming he goes through the whole thing. And there are no opt-outs as part of this deal at all. None? There's no opt-outs. Out. There's a full there's a full no trade clause as well if I recall correctly. So clear I mean just to, just to sum up who Bogarts is, who he was to the Red Sox. Let's put it this way. He was basically the last living identity of the Boston Red Sox David Ortiz era. He was the last uh, the last member of the Red Sox who who has played alongside David Ortiz uh, as part of the 2013 uh, championship uh, championship team, and 
I mean, there's just how how do I put the how do I put this correctly? Uh, Bogarts leaving basically have uh, it's basically stripped the Red Sox of that identity. They have mm-hmm. nobody knows. If you're a Boston fan, nobody knows what this team is now because they've basically lost the de facto captain of the team, the heart and soul yeah. of the team. Uh, although technically, even though he wasn't officially named the captain, uh, he technically was the uh, has been the captain since Jason Veritek, uh Jason Veritek retired, and. What's I think what 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 is pissed off fans the most? Yeah, is the fact that you know th- this is uh, it, it would be fine if okay you know they they tried as hard as they could to get him to resign, but let's let's just take you guys through this entire process. Yeah, originally they approached him. In spring training, before before this beginning, before this past season, they approached him in spring training, and they presented, I believe it was a four-year, ninety million dollar offer. Now, first off, huh. that's actually insulting. That's yes. only a slight upgrade compared to he was making twenty million per year on his uh, older deal on his uh, on his previous deal and he had the opportunity to opt out this off season, which he ended up doing. And basically the, the extension that they gave him or that they offered him was basically like maybe a million dollars more per year than what he was currently making. Now to me, Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty insulting, Diane. If he's, yes, it is. You know, one of the if he's one of the top stars on the team, and you only offer him a million dollars per year than what he's currently yes. making, I mean, that's pretty insulting. That is okay. Not to mention, he was coming off of an All Star season too. He was an All Star in 2021 and he also uh obviously was an all-star this year as well. Uh mm-hmm. but he was a four he's a four-time all-star, a two-time World Series champion back in 2013 and 2018. Mm-hmm. He made he made the All-MLB first team in 2019 and not to mention he's a five-time Silver Slugger award as a shortstop. That's he has a career batting Huh? That's a free, uh, you know, point of list there of accomplishments. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also a whole bunch of other ones too. He uh, he has actually he's the the longest starting shortstop in Boston Red Sox history. Yes, mm-hmm. among other things. Uh, mm-hmm. But. You know, just this this whole thing is the way that they handled it 
because Bogarts had said that he wasn't going to do any contract talks during the year. And not to mention is his agent, which literally that's all you need to know. Yes. Um, why? I mean, who's got Boris? <laughs> Scott Boris is the agent of Aaron Judge as well. Yes, he certainly is. He's, he oh, has, okay. He has a lot of agents from all over, all over the sports world. So he's a big time agent. Well, I mean, he does Aaron Judge and a bunch of other players. Too many to mention. Mm-hmm. But he is he's got some he's got some pretty good A listers for for his clients. Yeah, okay. I mean he's he's basically oh, yeah, the yeah. top he, he's the top agent in all of Major League Baseball. If there's yeah, if there's a player that wants to make money, Boris is the guy that's gonna you know that 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 you would go to basically to yes. make money mm-hmm. essentially and so i mean it, bogart's finished this season with quite a, quite a pretty good uh you know a pretty a pretty good uh baseball stat line i mean it wasn't that bad 15 homers a 307 batting average uh let's see i believe it was yeah 73 RBIs so okay, you know his production was a little bit down from last year, but his average was higher. Yeah. I, this is a guy who's this is a guy who's almost a career three hundred hitter, mm. and yet your best offer to him this off season is six years, one hundred and sixty million, which is about a hundred and twenty million dollar difference compared to what he got from San Diego. I mean, granted, you know, San Diego gave him five more years, but uh, which, you know, like I like I told you earlier today, Lou, that is probably going to look absolutely horrific uh, yeah, at the end did. of uh, at the end of his contract, uh, towards the end of his contract, I should say. Uh, but you know, I think he, he was he was a fan favorite, and you know, this would basically be. Like if David Ortiz was a contact hitter, and they traded right. away Dave, or and and they let David Ortiz walk in free agency, that's basically what Xander Bogarts leaving does to the to the fans here. Yes. And mm-hmm. what makes this even more insulting to the fans from from Red Sox management? is the fact that they claimed all off season that Bogarts was their and I quote top priority. But yet they went on and signed a whole a, a couple of other names and they uh they ended up giving out multi-million dollars to an an unproven player out of Japan. Named Masata Masataka Yoshida. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Bogarts gave them the opportunity to give one final offer, and and they refused to. They said we can't go. You know we can't go to that amount. So now, San Diego's lineup. I, I mean, hell, as as if their lineup wasn't wasn't bad yeah. enough or wasn't wasn't scary enough. You well, add Xander Bogarts to that. Yeah, you you had Xander Xander Bogarts to that list. Here's what the possible Padres lineup could be by midseason. 
Oh, boy. At left, at left field, you'll have Fernando Tatis Jr. He's, in yep. right field, in right field, you'll have Juan Soto. Oh, boy. At shortstop, you'll have Xander Bogarts. Yes. Third base, you have Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. First base, you have Jake Cronenworth. Cool. Second base, you have Ha Seung Kim. Center field, you have Trent Grisham. Uh, th- their DH is still to be determined. Mm-hmm. And your center, or I mean your uh, your catcher, you have Austin Nola. I mean, I don't know about Fire you, list. but I don't know about you, but that you know that uh, that lineup looks pretty intimidating. Especially at the time. Uh, it's a little scary. I'm not really familiar with the Padres players. Well, for many years, it hadn't been much to write home about, except maybe 98. But other than that, you know, yeah. But this well, but, looks pretty scary to me. Well, let's just say they have they have a nickname they go by in recent years. They call themselves Slam Diego. Slam the and yep, I bet you can I bet you can get I bet you can guess why they call themselves that. Mm. If you want to talk about the, ho- the, uh, the home of they're a good team. Yeah. yeah. Well, not just that, but if you want to talk mm. about the home of grand slams, the Padres. Oh yeah. Have been the leaders in grand slams the last couple of years. Definitely a grand so slam right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why they call themselves Slam Diego. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. we take a look at we take a look at the Red Sox lineup now without uh, without Xander Bogarts officially. You have Masataka Yoshida likely leading off at left field. You have Enrique Hernandez in center. You have Rafael Devers at third base. We'll get to Devers in a minute here because this may have an effect on Devers. Uh, okay. At, at second base, at second base or shortstop, you have Trevor Story, depending on what the Red Sox decide to do. Uh, at right field, you have Alex Verdugo. DH, you have Tristan Casas, the rookie sensation, as they uh, refer to him. First base, you have Eric Hosmer. Shortstop or second base, you have Christian Arroyo. And you have Reese McGuire and Connor Wong sharing the catching duties. Now, here's the thing: the thing with Trevor Story is his arm has uh, has shown weakness um, uh, within the past year yep. or so. So when is he playing? Well, he, he that's why he played sh- uh, second base this year. Was because yes. he agreed mm-hmm. when he when he signed originally with Boston uh, right before spring training last year. He agreed to play to play second base because right. his his uh, his throwing arm had gone down a little bit when it comes to uh, throwing power. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. been a concern as to whether or not he could legitimately play shortstop anymore because of that arm. Mm-hmm. So now you go from potentially having a shortstop second base tandem of Bogarts and Story to having a potential tandem of Story and Arroyo, which is a massive mm-hmm. downgrade. Yes. I'll put it that way. 
it's considered to be a massive downgrade. So, is it ever? I mean, well, what, what were your thoughts when you first heard about about Xander Bogarts uh, being officially uh, switching coasts and going to uh, San Diego? I was like, say what? He's going where? Okay, this should be very interesting. As the as the downward spiral of the Red Sox continues, and I think there's going to even hurt more. I mean, you know, there's nobody left from that uh, 2018 uh, World Series team now, and this is a you know, hate to say to use that word rebuild, but that's exactly where they're headed. And Bogart's now departure. Uh, this is going to make it even you know more of a of a rebuild. You know, I don't see the Red Sox you know contending for quite a while now. Unless you get somebody good in the draft, which uh, is kind of hard to come by. But this is a devastating blow to your Red Sox. I can't believe they said the word Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is a devastating. Uh, and, and actually, there are still some teams left of the 2018 uh, World Series oh, okay. team. But but 2013, though, everybody's gone from 2013. Right, now. that's what I meant, 2013. That miraculous, I mean... And of course, that was a special uh, year, a special Red Sox victory, of course, because you know, with the um, bombing going off at the um, at the marathon, and you know, and that was kind of interesting. So the Red Sox, you know, actually, you know, pulled off something that you know, that I wish the Yankees went down for the World Series in twenty in twenty oh one, but they were deserving of it. And the thing that happened. Yeah, and- you know, and they haven't won that World Series at home in, you know, since the end of the dinosaur era. <laughs> yeah, and it also, uh, it also... That was a very long time ago, by the way. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, and, and it also, um, you know, it also was a time, too, when uh, the FCC basically openly let David Ortiz cuss live on air. So... Uh, Thank you very much, because... FCC. Idiot. Yeah, because of because of the Boston bombings, uh, they deemed that okay, David Ortiz wouldn't be they deemed that David Ortiz wouldn't be punished because of the severity of the situation. That's uh, understandable, and that he was uh, he was basically reacting emotionally to well, what had happened. Of um, course, you know everybody's gonna have that kind of kind of feeling when something tragic like that happens, and. You know, even though you know there's stuff you shouldn't say, but sometimes you can't help in situations like that. So it's, that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, yeah. And the one, you know, the one thing that uh, you know that really I think affected a lot of people too, in particular, was you know, obviously we had the page, or no, we had uh, we had the Red Sox and we had the Bruins basically all in their respective finals at the exact same time. The Bruins obviously were in the Stanley Cup against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Boston Red Sox, of course, were in the World Series. And it really helped – essentially, it it really helped everybody heal, sort of, you could say, uh, to where, you know, people needed to get their minds off of – off of what was going on and everything and the way to do yeah. and you know, the Boston Red Sox were a huge uh way to help that happen. Yeah. 
But anyways, uh, Diane, what are your thoughts on uh, Xander Bogarts uh, leaving the Boston Red Sox? And more importantly, uh, the Boston Red Sox lowballing him with their offer. I think it was a good game with the Red Sox. <laughs> I think we all thought that. Yeah, it just it, it didn't really seem, you know, it didn't really seem like. Uh, although th- there's a history technically with the Red Sox and homegrown free agents. For some reason, we don't re-sign our homegrown players, which leads us to Rafael Devers, whose contract is set to expire at the end of next season. Next, uh, next off season. Uh, he will be officially a free agent. And we saw how much money Bogart's got. I can tell you I can tell you for one for one thing, Devers is expected to make a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're probably talking close to what Aaron Judge made this off season. Which speaking of which, uh let's talk about Aaron Judge real quick. Uh Lou, what are your thoughts on Judge? Uh, almost going to the San Francisco Giants. No, it was I wasn't buying that. I wasn't buying that you at all. Yeah, no, Yank, that is the Yankees' top player, the, fran- the face of the franchise. And, you know, with the season he had, Yankees were not going to put up with anything like that. You know, that, that was a franchise player, so they're going to do everything they could to keep him, and they did, no matter what the offer was. I wasn't buying that for a minute. That was just all talk that they were going to the Giants or whatever. So I wasn't mind at all. Yeah, you know, it seemed kind of odd. It seemed kind of odd that the Yankees would potentially let him let him walk because they wouldn't mm-hmm. give him forty million dollars per season, right? Which was basically what he got here: nine years, three hundred and sixty million dollars. And Judge gave him uh, gave uh, Hal Steinbrenner one chance one last chance to uh, match the offer. And Hal basically said, what will it take for you to stay a Yankee? And he said, give me one more year. And Hal said, done. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, so that basically means that the Yankees were offering eight years at probably $320 million, something like that. Yeah. And instead, uh, you know, he he ended up getting one more year. And I mean – it's you know usually i understand teams when you know when you have a free agent that's 30 years old and you know you're weighing how long to sign him and how much money to actually really invest in him mm-hmm. but when you think about it this is a guy who was literally just mm-hmm. coming off of a historic season mm-hmm. I mean, granted, granted, he isn't he isn't much of a postseason hitter. I mean, no. uh, I, I mean, what is his average like two eleven in the postseason? Yeah. Weak, weak, weak. But you take a look at what he did this year. He broke the record, Roger Maris's record, for home runs in a single uh, in a single season in the American League. Yeah. I, uh, you know, he, he's he's basically been the de facto Yankee captain, essentially. And by the way, my understanding of it is, 
uh, turns out that this might be uh, going along with the deal that he will be named the next Yankee captain. From what I've heard. I think he deserved it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, because you know he's basically what Xander Bogarts has been to the Red Sox. Judge basically is that to the Yankees right now. You know, he's easily their best player without a shadow of a doubt. You know, you take away Aaron Judge from that Yankee lineup, and honestly, I, I can't even say you really have a lineup. I mean, yeah, you do have you do have uh, firepower, you know, in Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, and a couple of others, but a lot of those guys are very strikeout prone. You know, there's not a lot that of guys. Exactly, that could be a huge problem. Uh, you know, uh, when you when you put Aaron Judge in that lineup, though, you know it, it makes it makes teams think about who they're actually going to pitch to. So don't they just pitch to the next to the first person in the lineup, or the next person, the next person, and so on and so forth? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's just it, it 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 makes people think about yes, you know, just exactly. There's a reason why he's been an MVP candidate for so many years. So, you know, it's it's just it, it's it's definitely well worth the money. Like normally, you oh, yeah, kind yeah. of. You normally, you know, uh, owners would balk at the idea of giving up uh, or uh, of uh, investing three hundred and sixty million dollars into a thirty-year-old into a thirty-year-old. But mm-hmm. when you look at when you look at what Aaron Judge has done, it's it, it's worth investing into him, and chances are. Uh, he's probably going to be their next captain. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like, you know, uh, the Yankees may not be done. My understanding is that yeah. they are planning on, they are planning on trying to upgrade their starting rotation by bringing, by uh, attempting to sign Carlos Rodon, who apparently wants a seven year deal. Mm. Uh they're also attempting to sign Carlos Correa as well as sort of a package, a package deal. They bring in both Correa and they bring in Rodon at the same time. And uh, once, if they can lock up both of those guys, from what it sounds like, it sounds like they are going to offer their uh, prized prospect shortstop, Anthony Volpe, into a deal for the uh, the outfielder from the Pittsburgh Pirates, Brian Reynolds, mm. uh, to bring him to New York. So, from what it sounds like, it so- it sounds like 
there's not going to be, uh, you know, the, this isn't the end of potential moves to be done by uh, by Hal Steinbrenner here. So, I uh, you know, it's 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 kind of an exciting time actually, if for any Yankee fans because uh, like me. it really it really looks like uh, Steinbrenner is finally starting to live up to his dad. Can you know? Can you though? I mean, can you live up to his dad? You know, it's a really shame when kids start to become like their parents. Well, I mean, when you think about it, when you think about it, Steinbrenner wouldn't have allowed uh, Aaron Judge no. to hit free agency. Not at all. Judge would have been locked up before free agency even began. So yes. Uh, you know, I kind I kind of feel like with them re-signing Cashman to I think they gave Cashman a four-year extension. Yes, uh, they did. It it, re- it really seems like the Yankees feel like they have a lot to prove this offseason. The fact that mm-hmm. they had they had one of the hottest teams in the league last year, and they basically faltered down the stretch. Yeah, and sure did. And exited, uh, you know, they got humiliated basically in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I was a lot of people felt like August. a lot of people felt like they shouldn't have even won the American League Divisional Series. So, right. Uh, but going back to Boston for a second here, uh, when it comes to Rafael Devers, Devers is a free agent. Uh, after after this upcoming season, he'll be a free agent. He was very good friends with Xander Bogarts, and he actually said uh, in his goodbye message to Bogarts and his tribute to Bogarts on Instagram that Bogarts is an example to live by. Kind of makes you wonder, and and Devers was another player who the Red Sox lowballed. And yes. just to give a brief just to give a brief summary of players that have been lowballed by Celtics management since. Uh, John Henry came in. You have John Lester, who ended up leaving in free agency to go to the to the Chicago Cubs. You have Mookie Betts, who got lowballed by Red Sox management, and they ended up trading him for peanuts, basically, to the L.A. Dodgers. Really? Now you have Xander. Now you have Xander Bogart. Hmm. Well, yeah, because, you know, uh, Mookie Betts ended up being traded to L.A. Uh, they, ended up getting, they ended up getting Connor Wong, Jeter Downs, uh, and a couple of other – one other piece, I believe, if I recall correctly. But so far, uh, Wong and Downs are the only two parts to have made it up to the majors since that trade, and neither one has been able to stick. So basically, you can call that Mookie Betts trade a blow away win for the Dodgers in that scenario. Now you have Xander Bogart. Now you have Xander Bogarts uh, being lowballed by Boston. He ends up leaving to San Di- to go to San Diego, and at the same time, they also lowballed Devers during spring training as well. 
So that begs the question. Devers is going to go uh, end up being in San Diego because that's where his friend is. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily. Uh, you know, they, they claim, uh, according to uh, somebody in Devers's camp, uh, they claim that Bogart's uh, leaving for San Diego does not necessarily mean that uh, Rafael Devers won't re-sign with Boston. Right. But the thing is, is that he need, they, Boston needs to show that they actually value him. And yes, they should. When you, t- you know, when you take a look at how they lowballed Xander Bogart, and by the way, this isn't you know I I, I place uh, uh, oftentimes you've heard me place blame on Heim Bloom for the lack of moves that Red Sox, that the Red Sox have made and everything. It's not on Heim Bloom. Yeah. This is right. all on John Henry. This is uh, just because because the guy would rather uh, want to own an NFL franchise. Yeah, that's right. He wants to try and uh, get involved in the yes. Washington Commanders uh, uh, incoming sale that's going to happen. And mm-hmm. uh, he also he also mm-hmm. one day wants mm-hmm. to own the an Commanders NBA team. aren't going to be a team. No, they'll be a team. Not a very good one, but they'll be a team. Oh, you know what? So, it, the commanders are up for sale. I'm trying to figure out what this means. Hmm. Well, yeah, they are. Uh, for, for what it sounds like, it sounds like things are heading towards a sale. Because yeah. oh. uh, we'll talk about th- we'll talk about that in a minute, actually, because there is uh, new news coming out about Dan Snyder. Uh, that involves the that involves the government, and we'll discuss that in a little bit. Uh, but mm-hmm. so not only does so f- first off, John Henry owns the Red Sox. He owns Liverpool out in uh, the Premier League, and he owns the Pittsburgh Penguins that he just recently bought. Uh, within the last year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Now he wants. Now, from from what it sounds like, it sounds like he wants to try to get the Washington Commanders, and he also wants to own an NBA team as well. Mm -hmm. Which one? Uh, it's, it's unknown currently. But uh, apparently he Doesn't does say. want to get involved. He does want to get involved into the NBA. And from what it sounds like, you know, with the stuff that's happening in Phoenix, maybe perhaps Phoenix could potentially be up for a sale. Really? With Not... the uh, okay. with 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 the issues that was going on in management with uh, sexual harassment and stuff like that. Uh, you know, who knows? Phoenix might be up for a sale uh, in the uh, near in the near future. But, you know, my whole point is – oh, and another thing, actually. Henry also – this is coming off of a, a team that finished in dead last in the AL East. Mm. And instead, he wants to raise ticket prices, blaming the, blaming the, uh, the uh, rising inflation 
that he, mm-hmm. wants, he wants to raise ticket. He wants to raise ticket prices for a last place team. Really, and then to top it um, all off, you know, Red Sox fans would Red Sox fans would be fine with this if he acted like he was the Yankees uh, owner. If he acted yes. like he was Steinbrenner and would actually care about who he signs to his team. Well, but he does is enough. But he doesn't care. All he cares no. about is making money basically at this point. You should really care about who you're assigning to your team. Yeah. Yeah, one sniper in baseball is enough. One sniper in sports is enough, period. Yeah. Well, there are two. George and House. His son. I mean, George has passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, well, and, Hank also passed, uh, and, and Hank also passed away, right? I think he did. So Hal, he is, basically Hal. The, uh, so Hal is basically the sole remaining uh, Steinbrenner that was involved with the Yankees. Right. Basically. Okay. Uh, but... The main point I'm I'm trying to make here is there was no way that the Red Sox were going to sign Bogarts at this point. Yeah. Because Henry does not believe in paying homegrown stars because he always want because sure. because of the fact that they're homegrown he wants to always try and get a discount. Oh, that. So like a loyal like a loyalty discount basically. Right. So. I mean, what, what what are your thoughts, Lou, on the way Red Sox management handled uh, this entire this entire process? Sure. How they handled it does me how they didn't handle it. I mean, it's all things I met. I mean, what did you, you expect? <laughs> they didn't handle it very well at all. Talk about poor management. That's as bad as you can get. You know, this was this is this was you know. A match made in hell. And and here's the thing. Uh, obviously, an- another thing, too, uh, that he owns, John Henry owns, I think it's the Boston Globe or the Boston Herald, one of the two uh, Boston yeah. newspapers. Uh, he also has an ownership stake in Nesson as well, uh, the New England Sports Network. Our version of yes. And, and originally, uh, or... Uh, What's it called? Not originally, but right away, uh, as soon as the Bogarts news came out, they immediately started burying Heim Bloom, throwing him completely mm-hmm. under the bus. Heim Bloom is is John Henry's fall guy. Heim Bloom has one. is the one that's Heim Bloom is the one that's basically going to essentially uh, lay down on the grenade. You could you could put it that way. Something I wouldn't do, but I guess I get the picture there. So I mean, it's it's gonna hurt. It's though. just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing, honestly, with how they handled things. Yeah. Hey, you go send a grenade. Yeah. 
Uh, one, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, another big signing that took place this week, the Philadelphia Phillies, they agreed to terms with free agent shortstop Treya Turner on a 11-year, $300 million contract, uh, officially landing the next shortstop for the, for the next decade for the Phillies. And also it, it helps as well that Trey Turner is very, very close with Bryce Harper. Harper played a huge role in bringing him on, uh, onto the team here. Uh, so now Turner joins sluggers Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, and JT Realmuto as the Phillies try to try to get back to the World Series next year. Uh, this past year, Turner hit 298 with 101 runs scored, 21 homers, and 100 RBIs to go along with 27 stolen bases and 708 plate appearances last year with the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. And considering that Citizens Bank Park is a hitter-friendly ballpark, oh my God, are those numbers going going to skyrocket. Yeah. I mean those are those are just uh, those are are pretty good numbers to to begin with. But now all of a sudden, you know, you 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 then have him play half of his games in a hitter-friendly ballpark. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh those numbers should expect uh, Philly fans should expect those numbers to skyrocket. I wouldn't be surprised. The Dodgers, though. The Dodgers, though did, yeah, the the uh, Dodgers, though, while they did lose him, uh, they did keep one of their own as they brought back Clayton Kershaw on a one-year, twenty million dollar deal, uh, which was originally agreed on uh, agreed on back on November 11th, but the deal is now official. And so it's split up with a base salary of $15 million uh, along with a $5 million signing bonus. So Kershaw will be back for a 16th season in L.A. after he finished uh, last year with a strong 2.28 RA to go along with 137 strikeouts to 23 walks. Uh, across 126 and a third innings through 22 starts. Now, the big question is, how durable is Kershaw going to be now that he's getting older? Because he's been dealing with back issues over the last couple of years. Uh, You know, he's he's missed quite a bit of time. But he still, when healthy, is still one of the best pitchers. Maybe well, you just retire already. Well, I don't know if I would if I would say retire just yet. I mean, he's thirty four years old, so he probably still has a he's couple of years left in him. Yeah, he's getting injured all the time. Hmm. That's true too. Nobody wants an injury hit player. Yeah. I mean, he he is definitely, you know, he, he has been dealing with injuries uh, throughout the last couple of years. But, you know, he is still one of the premier uh, pitchers in the National League. So, mm-hmm. 
the Dodgers, the Dodgers keeping him is actually pretty huge for them, considering the fact that they lost not just Trey Turner, but also they lost Cody Bellinger, uh, who ended up agreeing to terms. Uh, he ended up agreeing to terms with the Chicago Cubs on a one-year, seventeen and a half million dollar deal, and I, you know, I kind of found this kind of odd that Bellinger only agreed to a one-year deal. But from what it sounds like, it sounds like he wants to go back into free agency next year, uh, assuming that he's going to get back to the player that he has been the last couple of years for the Dodgers. Because he was on a, he had a little bit of a down year this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess it's, I guess he he expects, you know, he's going to get back to as close uh, to that player as he was. Uh, the New York Mets, they were pretty busy. Uh, first off, the yeah. big. The big fish Verlander. that they signed, uh, Justin Verlander, the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, to a two-year, $86.66 million deal, uh, which will also contain a $35 million vesting option for the 2025 season to go along with it. So technically, you could say it's almost a three-year deal if they decide if the vesting three option – if if the vesting option gets exercised. Uh, I mean, hell, last year he was by far the best pitcher in the American League. A 1.75 ERA, uh, a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 185 strikeouts to 29 walks, 175 innings, 28 starts. And this is a guy who was, who was returning from Tommy John surgery. 39 years old, coming back from Tommy John surgery, and you're posting those numbers? Nothing short of it's, phenomenal. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like this guy is baseball's version of Tom Brady, except without the, uh, except without the multiple uh, Super Bowl trophies. Yeah. Oh, he's really got a ring. The fact that he can still produce – oh, well, yeah, I mean, he, he does have multiple rings now because he won two of them with Houston. Uh, but the fact that he can still produce at this level, I mean, that's yeah. actually pretty amazing when you think about it considering he's 39 years old. Yeah, for a pitcher that's got to be, you know – well, being a pitcher, he still could probably have, you know, a few more years with him. You know, he's not an everyday player. So – you still got a little bit of time yet, but at 39, you know, in, the, in, in baseball, that's that's getting up there. Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Uh, but the Mets were not done there, though, as they made two more signings. Uh, yeah. They also signed left-handed pitcher uh, starter Jose Quintana to a two-year, twenty-six million dollar deal. Uh, he agreed to the deal earlier this week. Uh, he actually returned to, to relevance this past season, posting a terrific 2.93 ERA uh, with 137 walks, or uh, I mean not walks, 137 strikeouts to 47 walks ratio across 165 and two-thirds innings between both the Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. 
and he actually drew a start in the first game of the uh, National League wildcard series against the Phillies as well uh, for the Cardinals this year, where he fired five and a third scoreless innings. So that's actually, you know, that that's a pretty good addition for the Mets uh, rotation. But, and I brought this up to you earlier today, Lou, uh, the Mets, they may have to focus on preparing for the future soon. Yes. Because, I mean, they lost Jacob DeGrom, and yeah. their pitching isn't getting any younger. No, it isn't. So, you know, this is definitely going to be, uh, obviously, you know, they're in win-now mode, but they well, may, you, have to. you know, you may, you may be headed for a starting rotation rebuild uh, not too far in the future here. Not just that, but they also uh, signed right-handed pitcher David Robertson to a one-year, ten million dollar deal, uh, and he True. will function. He will function as a setup role uh, for the Mets behind uh, closer Edwin Diaz, and he was outstanding this year, uh, registering a two point four zero ERA between both the Cubs and the Phillies while recording uh, 20 saves in 63 and two-thirds innings. And if Edwin Diaz obviously can't be used, then the Mets will go to David Robertson in potential right. save situations. So, I mean, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good one-two punch uh, for the Mets out yeah. there in the bullpen. Uh, let's see here. The Washington Commanders. Mm-hmm. So, where do we start? Mm-hmm. Hmm. How should I? How should I start this? Okay. So, yeah. there was a re- there was a report that was published on Thursday by the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. And they are alleging that the Washington Commanders created a toxic work culture for more than two decades. Uh, Former female employees have said that top levels of the organization were ignoring and downplaying sexual misconduct and hundreds of instances of sexual harassment by men at the top levels of the Commanders. Dan Snyder, the owner, was also accused in the report of inappropriately touching a former employee at a dinner and having staffers produce a video of sexually suggestive footage of cheerleaders. It was also alleged in the report that women auditioning to be cheerleaders had to walk on the field while Snyder and his friends gawked from his suite through binoculars. Uh Uh-huh. And why? this is an attorney old man. That's why. Yeah. Who is? Dan, Dan Snyder, owner of the owner of the commanders. Oh, the guy who claims the guy who tri- who basically tried to blackmail uh, the other owners by claiming that he has a lot of dirt on them. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, let's I don't and, and all that. Hmm. 
Yeah, and that, you know, this is inclusion actually of an investigation that uh, originally began in October of 2021 after the NFL didn't release a report of its review of the workplace culture of the commanders. So the uh, government decided to take it in their own hands. Uh, the review, the original review by attorney Beth Wilkinson had been completed in the summer of 2021 for the NFL. And that only resulted in a $10 million fine to the team and a statement by Goodell saying that the that Snyder had quote unquote learned his lesson. Or did he? Uh, One of the representatives of the House of Representatives, uh, Karen B. Maloney, who is the chair of the House committee, said that the, Congr- that the congressional report shows how one of the most powerful organizations in America, the NFL, mishandled pervasive sexual harassment and misconduct. Uh, she also added, our report tells the story of a team rife with sexual harassment and misconduct a billionaire owner intent on deflecting blame and an influential organization that chose to cover this up rather than seek accountability and stand up for employees. Also been alleged that uh, Snyder looked to interfere with the investigation and was accused of intimidating witnesses and refusing to release former employees from their confidentiality obligations. As some forty, or uh, yeah, some forty thousand documents were collected during the review carried out by Wilkinson, and Snyder was accused of using a secret agreement with the NFL to block access to them. Uh, also, the House committee had claimed that Snyder was evasive and misleading, and alleged that the team owner also launched his own shadow investigation which was used to cast him as the victim of a defamation campaign and deflect responsibility for the team's toxic work culture. The NFL was also criticized by the report, stating that they had misled the public about its handling of the Wilkinson investigation, and they have not sought true accountability for those responsible. Now, the NFL currently does not require teams to report confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements, and the league has not ensured that its own workplaces are free from discrimination and harassment. Exactly. So you kind of have to wonder just exactly what's going to come of this, because, you know, Snyder is basically dug in as he, you know, he's dug in uh, into the, into the ground and claiming that, uh, you know he has he has a lot of dirt on certain owners that he could uh, that yes. he could unleash if he wanted to. Uh, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, has been trying to push mm. for for Snyder to be uh, to be voted out by uh, a majority of the other owners around the league. As a team has a team owner has never been forced out in the league's 102 year history. Uh, you know, it's honestly, I find it hard to believe with this report coming out that Snyder yeah. would be able to remain owner for much longer. Mm, I don't think he will. I'm not the owner. <laughs> 
He won't be for long, guy. Not after this, all hits the fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lou, Lou and Diane, the fact that the government even got involved in this and did an even yeah. bigger report, uh, an even bigger investigation, doesn't that basic? Shouldn't that basically force the owners to okay? We now we definitely yes. have to force him out of the league. As well, you should. How do you force someone out of the league? No, you should get him out. Yeah, they uh, need the words you They would need a two third, or no, they would need a quarters vote. So they would need twenty four oh. of. Uh, there's th- it's thirty two teams, right? Yes. So okay. they would need twenty four they would need twenty four uh, owners to uh to vote for him for him to be uh overruling majority. Replaced. Yeah. They would oh, they would need an over we'll an overruling majority hours. basically. Uh Don, we'll that's not easy to do. Oh, not so fast. I, I mean, know. there's a lot. There's a lot of evidence, Lou. There's a lot of evidence yes. that has, uh, and you know, from, from my understanding too. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the article didn't mention this, but I remember reading something along the lines of uh, some of the some of the cheerleaders had to uh, reportedly strip down as well. Yeah, I heard that. That is something you don't do. Yeah, I mean, what what the hell kind of audition is that? I mean that's more for like that's more for of Playboy? like a porn audition. Yeah, that's more of like a porn or Playboy audition. Yeah, it is. You know, rather than actually being an audition for and yet they're falling for it too. That's the shameful part. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when you think about it, most of them, uh, most cheerleaders, it's their it's their dream to basically be an NFL cheerleader. Yeah, but the resort to such, you know, tactics like that, you know, strip down. When I, you're trying to be a cheerleader, not a stripper. Yeah, but you know, you know, you never know what what people may do in order to get what they want. So true. Heard that before too. Uh, you know what? Let us go into before before I forget. Let us go into our bull bonanza picks. Uh, All right. So oh, I got one thing before we do that. Um, we have a Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, we do. Okay. So take a guess. Uh, what it is? Take a stab. I'm going to say it's Caleb Williams. You got. It. No surprise. You no see, surprise see, at that's, all. That's exactly that's exactly what I told you uh, earlier today, Lou. I said bet bet if you're a betting man. Put the house on Caleb Williams, and they did. And the thing that gets the thing that gets me is, I guess Max Duggan was the was the runner up. Yes. What the hell kind? Oh my god! What the hell kind of field was that? When you have Stetson, yeah. now granted, Stetson, granted Stetson Bennett though is a six-year player, a six-year senior. Uh, Very rare. You have, Stetson, you have Stetson Bennett, you have C.J. Stroud, 
and you have Max Duggan, and literally, literally, that's the best that you could come up with to to uh, you know to go off to go up against Caleb Williams. You're right. If I was on the committee, I don't think I'd stoop that low. I mean that may that honestly that may be one of the one of the weakest classes in in recent memory for the Heisman. Yeah. So you know it's no wonder why Caleb Williams won won it with such uh with such ease. Yes. But anyways, our bull bonanza picks. Okay. So we so basically what we do uh, we did this last year if I recall correctly. Uh, and bonanza where where we uh, we will be picking against the spread. So uh, basically it'll be you know either. Uh, the team, the team that we pick has to basically win by that many, or if you're picking the underdog, they have to lose. Uh, they have to be sure to lose by no more than that much in order to gain a point. And Lou, as part of the game's uh, gridiron, uh, for the Bowl Bonanza this year, we will also be doing the game's lock. So ah. what that means it, what that means is you can choose one game that you can uh that you can choose to that you're that you're completely confident that they're going to cover the spread. And okay. if they win, they cover the spread, you get an extra point to go along with. So instead of one point, you get two points essentially. All right. Which may not seem like a big deal, but it's actually it's actually proven in the past to be a pretty big deal uh, when it comes to the standings. So let's start off with this first bowl. We have 32 bowls uh, to choose from. Uh, wow. Let's start, off, let's start off with this first one. Uh, we have the Wasabi Fenway Bowl at Fenway Park, uh, pitting the Cincinnati Bearcats against the Louisville Cardinals. And the point spread uh, is one. The point spread is one and a half uh, in favor of Louisville. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna say the Bearcats. You know what? We must. We must be. We must be telepathically thinking here because I had made my selection first, and I had because uh, uh, I'm I'm pasting them here on my uh, on WordPad, and I I picked the Bearcats on mine. So. Uh, we must be we must be really thinking alike here. All right. Um, our second game. Uh, this one is uh, favored uh, favored by eleven. We have the Florida Gators, who are eleven point underdogs, to the Oregon State Beavers at the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. So who do we have for this one? I'm going with the Bruins. I'm just waiting on the spread. I'm going with the Bruins. Well, well, no, we're talking uh, Gators or Beavers. Oh, Uh, I'm going to go Florida Gators. Florida Gators? Okay. I went with Florida Gators as well. Uh, So you said Bruins. I mean, we can we can go we can go straight to that one actually right now. Let me just find it here. Okay. Uh, we have 
the UCLA Bruins taking on – hang on. Uh, UCLA. Uh, the UCLA Bruins are six-point favorites over the Pittsburgh Panthers. Oh, six and a half. That's too kind. They're going to kill them. So you got the Bruins in that one? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah, I'll take the Bruins on that one as well. And that was for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl on that That'd be one. great. Uh, now, this next one is – the next one is the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, which is presented by Stiffle. That will be at SoFi Stadium. Uh, we have the Fresno State Bulldogs as one-point favorites over the Washington State Cougars. I'm going Fresno State. You know what? I kind of thought you would because so far it's, nice. it's interesting. So far, so far we are all we are four for four with our uh, with our predictions here. Um, just a coincidence. Maybe just a coincidence, but we'll see. Uh, our next one, uh, six and a half, is the spread. We have the Lending Tree Bowl, which is at Hancock oh, yeah. Whitney Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. We have the Rice Owls against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and Southern Miss is the one favored by six and a half. I'm gonna go at Rice. Man, oh man, another one. I am going with Rice as well on this one. All right, uh, the New Mexico Bowl at University Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We have the SMU Mustangs, who are one-and-a-half-point favorites against the BYU Cougars. I'm going to go BYU. Ah, so we do have one where we disagree. I am going to go with the SMU Mustangs on this one. It had to happen. All right, our next one, we have the Frisco Bowl, which takes place at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Uh, This will pit the North Texas Mean Green underdogs to the Boise State Broncos. Fresno State. You'll go. Bo- you'll go. Boise State. Fresno. Uh, wait, is Boise? Uh, repeat that again. It was Boise State and who else? Uh, Boise State and North Texas Mean Green. North Texas. North Texas. No- North Texas. Okay. All right. Uh, that one, I will take Boise State in that one. Okay. Uh, our next matchup is at the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas, as the Baylor Bears are six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Air Force Falcons. Baylor. You got Baylor? I got Baylor. Okay. And I agree with you on that one. I am going with Baylor as well. Uh, now, on, fri- uh, on Friday, December 23rd, 
We have the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl at Raymond James Stadium, uh, where we will have the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who are one-point favorites over the Missouri Tigers. I think of uh, you know Wake Forest more as a basketball school, so I'm going to have to go in the other direction. Okay, so we will go with the Missouri Tigers for you, and Missouri. for me, I will take I will take Wake Forest on that one. Ooh. Uh, okay, the Camellia Bowl at uh, at Crampton Bowl in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. We have the Georgia Southern Eagles, who are three and a half point favorites over the Buffalo Bulls. Hmm. I'm taking the first one. Okay, Georgia Eagles. Southern Eagles. Georgia okay. Southern Eagles. And I will take the Buffalo Bulls on this one. All right. I don't know. It's a, for some reason, you know, I've looked. I've looked at a couple of uh, Bulls games whenever they've appeared on the uh, on the uh, selections, and for some reason, I've mm-hmm. I've just I've resisted taking them for some reason, and they it, and it always makes me wish I had taken them each time. So yeah, I, all right. Okay. All right, our next one is the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl uh, at Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Uh, the Memphis Tigers are seven-and-a-half-point favorites over the Utah State Aggies. I'm going to go Memphis. All right, and I am going to go with Memphis as well in that one. Uh, next up, we have the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl which is at Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers are 10.5-point underdogs against the East Carolina Pirates. I'm going to go East Carolina. East Carolina, Okay, and I will go with the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers on this one. Remember, I do my show in two parts with this. Yeah, I know. Um, okay. And actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to be on for uh, for the second uh, for the second half uh, next time, um, so that I can give I can give my picks on uh, on your show as well. Uh, okay. So. Our next one, we have the Guaranteed Rate Bowl at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. The Wisconsin Badgers are three-point favorites over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Hmm. I've got to go Wisconsin. But what's the going rate on that anyway? Is it what, 4%, 5%? Uh, I can't figure that out. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, wait, what are you going to You're going to go with the Cowboys? Wisconsin. All right. I'm yeah. Just trying to uh, right. I, yeah, I will go with Wisconsin too because I honestly I have not been impressed at all with Oklahoma State. You know, this does not Neither look like I. the same team. This does not look like the same team that was ranked high last year. So no. No. Uh next we have the military bowl, uh presented by Paraton. 
at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, the Central Florida Knights are one-point underdogs to the, to the uh, Duke Blue Devils. I think we're going to go with Central Florida on this one. Central Florida. Okay, and I will go with the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, yeah, I, I know it's kind of strange, but Duke unusually had a pretty good season this year. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm kind of taking a shot in the dark on that one. Ah. Uh, our next matchup is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Uh, we have the Kansas Jayhawks, who are three-point underdogs to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas. Damn straight. Woo, pig, suey. I am selecting Arkansas as well in this one. Uh, next, we have the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl at Petco Park. Uh, where the Oregon Ducks are 13-point favorites to the North Carolina Tar Heels. Well, I can say that is Ducks. All righty, Oregon Ducks it is, and I am selecting Oregon as well in this one. Uh, next is the Tax Act Texas Bowl at NRG Stadium. Uh, in Houston, Texas, where the Texas Tech Red Raiders are three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Ole Miss Rebels. Ooh, tough one. I think I'm going to go with Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ole Miss as well. Uh, that was not easy. You can't, go, you can't go wrong with the SEC, so I'm taking Ole Miss you on could, that one. but... This time, he probably won't. Uh, next, we have the uh, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. Uh, the Syracuse ah. Orange. The Syracuse Orange are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Arizona. Minnesota? Wait, wait you, said, you, said, you, said, you said Minnesota or Arizona? Yeah, yeah I, said, I said Minnesota. Against uh, against the Syracuse Orange. Oh, oh, I gotta go with the Orangemen. The Orange, okay. Uh, you know what? I think I will go with the Orange as well because yeah, I believe I believe the Orange didn't the Orange have a pretty good season this year? Yes, they did. Which is weird considering they're usually a basketball school. They can go both. I think they're not. They're not that too bad at football. I know it can. It can go. It can go both ways. All right. Our next matchup: we have the Oklahoma Sooners, our seven and a half point underdogs to the Florida State Seminoles in the Cheese It Bowl. <laughs> I'm going to Florida State. Florida. State, okay, and eh, you know what? I'm kind of going back and forth on this one, but I think I'll go with Florida State as well. Oklahoma was just way too up and down for me this year. Yeah. Uh, how about the 
the, the Valero Alamo Bowl at the Alamo Dome with the Texas Longhorns being six-point favorites over the Washington Huskies. Texas. All righty, and I will agree with you on that one. I will go with Texas as well here in this. Uh, then at the Duke's Mayo Bowl, we have the Maryland Terrapins as one-and-a-half-point favorites over the NC State Wolfpack. Hmm. Maryland or NC State, Maryland. I'll go with the Terrapins. You know, I kind of thought you would go that way, and I'm going there too because uh, Tua's brother is finally going to show what he can do in a bowl game. So Yeah. Although that was not an easy decision. Yeah. All right, next we have the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are three-point favorites over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Mm. Though I am a Notre Dame fan, they haven't really uh, been too impressive this year until later. So I think I'll go with the Gamecocks. All righty, you take the Gamecocks, and I will go with the Irish on this one. Okay. All righty. Up next is the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, uh, and we have the Ohio Bobcats, who are one-point favorites over the Wyoming Cowboys. I'm going to take Wyoming on that one. All right. And I will agree with you on that, too. I will go with Wyoming as well. Uh, this one should be pretty interesting. The Capital One Orange Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium. The Tennessee Volunteers are seven-point underdogs to the Clemson Tigers. Hmm. No, I'm going to go Clemson. All righty, Clemson it is, and I am going to agree with you there. I'm going to take Clemson. I think... If Hooker was playing, I probably would have gone with Tennessee. But mm-hmm. Hooker is not going to be playing in this one, uh, no. obviously because of his injury. Uh, next, we have the All-State Sugar Bowl at Caesars Superdome with the Alabama Crimson Tide being three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Kansas State Wildcats. I think I'm going to go with Kansas State. Okay, we got Kansas State for you, and I am going to go with the Alabama Crimson Tide here. Uh, up next, the Iowa Hawkeyes are two-point favorites over the Kentucky Wildcats in the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Iowa. Iowa, and I will do the same. I am going with the Hawkeyes as well. Uh, for Now we, we go to the semifinals for the college football playoff. First one will be at the Vibo Fiesta Bowl at State Farm Stadium. Uh, the TCU Horned Frogs are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Michigan Wolverines. Wolverines all the way. 
Damn straight, go blue. I have Michigan as well in this one. Uh, And the other semifinal, which is at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, uh, sees the Ohio State Buckeyes as six-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia will win, but Ohio State will cover. Georgia will win, but Ohio State will cover. Okay, so I will give you Ohio State on that one for the cover. Um. All right, so the ReliaQuest Bowl at Raymond James Stadium. Oh, by the way, I'm going with the Bulldogs uh, on that one for uh, Ohio State and Georgia. Um, The ReliaQuest Bowl at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Uh, The Mississippi State Bulldogs are one-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Illinois Fighting Illini. I think think Illinois in that one. Illinois? Yes. All right. I am going to agree. I will go with Illinois as well. Brett Belima has really whipped that team into shape there. Uh, next, we have the Goodyear Cotton Bowl uh, that sees the USC Trojans as one and a half point favorites over the Tulane Green Wave. USC. Yeah, I honestly, you know what, Lou? I'll I'll say this here. I'm going to make this my game's lock pick. Okay. Because I think it is abundantly clear uh, which of the two teams is better in this one. You have the Heisman Trophy winner here. I find it hard to believe that Tulane is gonna is gonna upset USC. If they are, I got you some nice beach from property like to sell you in Alaska. Do you want me to make that your uh, game lock pick as well? Sure. All right. I will lock that in as your game lock pick as well. Uh, we have two more bowls left to choose from. Uh, first, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl at Camping World Stadium. We have the LSU Tigers as 10.5-point favorites against the Purdue Boilermakers. Wait, uh, repeating again, Purdue against what again? Uh, Against LSU, and LSU is 10.5-point favorites. LSU. LSU, and I agree with you on that one. I am going LSU as well here. Uh, This... I mean, it's 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 just it's when you play in the SEC, it's a completely different uh, a completely different game compared Absolutely. to other uh, compared to other conferences. All right, uh, and our finally we have the Rose Bowl, uh, where we will see the Penn State Nittany Lions as three point underdogs to the Utah Utes. Penn State, no question. Okay, you will go with Penn State on that. And you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I originally was going to go with Utah, but kind of mm-hmm. thinking about it, I I kind of see Penn State potentially taking that. All right. So, all right. Uh, so those are our picks officially, which I will submit to Games Gridiron uh, to – 
put all that to put all that uh, all that stuff in. And Lou, uh, where you are right now in the rankings, uh, let's put it this way: uh, there's a pretty good possibility that you could completely skyrocket up the leaderboard with. Uh, yes. Depending on how good uh, on how good your picks pan out here, uh, so uh, on to our next uh, on to our next topic. Uh, let's discuss a little bit of the World Cup because yes, we had uh, quite the well. Let's let's put it this way: quite the uh, last two days here of the World Cup. Uh, first off. Uh, Croatia, Croatia beat Brazil in penalty kicks by a score of four to two. Following, uh, following, uh, it was basically going into extra. They went into extra time, and mm-hmm. Brazil seemingly had taken the lead off of a goal by Neymar. Neymar, but Brazil made the mistake of. Uh, of basically uh, bringing in reserves, and all of a sudden, Croatia capitalized with ta- uh, time close to expiring, and they ended up uh, they ended up tying Brazil, which then brought them into penalty kicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hell are you guys we have brought Diane back into this. Uh, uh, she has joined, uh, rejoined the call. So um, I'm, I want to get her thoughts as well on this. Uh, so Lou and Diane, I mean, Brazil, one of the first juggernauts to fall in the quarterfinals here of the World Cup. What are your What are your thoughts? I thought when Neymar hit that goal, it was going to be it because I didn't think that Croatia could come back and do it. And then five minutes uh, left in the Extra time, and just couldn't hold on to it. I'm, I was just stunned, com- completely stunned by it. How do you let that get away? I know it was pretty uh, weird. It was pretty yeah. weird, honestly. It was pretty yeah. weird with how, uh, with, with how the entire games, uh. You know, with 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 how their entire uh, landscape completely changed. Diane, what what are your thoughts? Did you get a chance to watch uh, to watch Brazil and uh, and Croatia? Yeah. When oh, did you, didn't, they you didn't get a chance. Yesterday. What yesterday? Um, no. Oh, okay. I didn't watch Brazil and Croatia. You missed a good game. For those of you who didn't see it, I'm sorry. I don't really follow soccer, though. You know that. True. But this isn't just soccer. This is the World Cup. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. World Cup, regular soccer, I don't really follow it. Okay. You know that. I know. Yeah, it was you know it, it was it was weird, Lou, because it was Brazil. Brazil, it it, it kind of makes you wonder just exactly how big of an impact those two injuries that they got uh, had on on the team as a whole. 
Injuries can play a major factor in. You know, you kind of wonder if maybe if they still had those two, if those two guys were available to play, maybe perhaps things would have turned out differently. I, I would think they would, yes. Then we had in the uh, in the main event of yesterday's uh, two games, Argentina narrowly got by the Netherlands yeah. in penalty kicks, four to three after Argentina gave up a two-goal lead in regulation time, and they had to go into uh, – they, they ended up having to go into uh, extra time. That goal – I mean, and Brazil, it was only one minute left to go in, in, in um, injury time, and then another one just caught by – I was just like, what the hell? I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Yeah, Wout Weghorst got both goals for the Netherlands during regulation, uh, one at 83 minutes and one at 11 minutes of stoppage time. Uh, Argentina yeah. got their Argentina got their goals from Nahuel Molina and Lionel Messi uh, got one on a penalty kick, uh, 73 minutes in. And also, I think this may have played a bit of a role when it came to penalty kicks. Uh, Denzel Dumfries got removed with a red card. Good. So he was unable to play for the, he was unable to kick for the Netherlands. So that may have played a role. Uh, but you know, it was actually a pretty impressive showing, though, for the Netherlands, considering the fact Absolutely. that. You know, usually they're not a they're not a team that usually goes as far as they did, but they you know they had a pretty impressive showing in this year's World Cup. Uh, they took Argentina to the brink, and you know really it's everybody everybody thought that our, uh, coming into this that Argentina would probably would probably uh, handle the Netherlands with no problem, but. Uh, Netherlands really put up quite the fight. Now, in today's game, we had, uh, first off, Morocco with uh, the ride of a century here for them, uh, becoming, yeah. I, believe, I believe they became the... Uh, they first became African nation team. The, yeah, the first African nation team to reach the semifinals of the World Cup. And on a goal by Youssef and Nesri uh, with 42, 42 minutes uh, in, gave Morocco the win pretty much over Portugal, uh, even with a red card by Walid Chedira. Uh, in stoppage time, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, now Chedira will not be able to play because he got the red card, so he will be ineligible to play They're in out. the semifinal. Uh, but the bigger story here is that Portugal had to play without Cristiano, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for for literally the entire first half. Because yes. of that bench, because of that benching situation, which could have uh, helped if he played the whole game. Maybe it might have made a difference for 
you know, for Ronaldo and, and them. But, you know, I think with his absence, mostly in the first half, I think it kind of hurt him for Portugal. Yeah, you know that that's what I was about that's what I was about to ask you Lou, you know, how big of a difference would that have potentially been if oh, would have made if he had in the world. Yeah, if he had stayed uh if or if he had uh started considering the fact that uh he almost scored towards the end of the game. Yeah. But that shot was just a little bit off. I saw I was I was like how the hell can you miss that? I mean, it's actually, it's actually. Uh, I, I gr- granted, you know, the one game that he, the first game that he was put on the bench, the guy ended up, uh, his replacement ended up scoring a hat trick on the, in that very same game. But still, this guy's one of the best players in the world, even at the age of thirty-eight. How the hell are you going to put him on the bench in the quarterfinals? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, that right there should sum up why Portugal lost to begin with. Right. Portugal should have won? Mm-hmm. They should have died. Okay. Yeah, they, honestly, they should have won. It, 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 if, if they had Ronaldo for the entire game, it, if you're if you're reaching – the quarterfinals or semifinals or the finals of the World Cup, you want to make sure all of your best players are in the starting lineup. It's and not, Ronaldo it, it's is a good player. Yeah, he is. He he's a great player. Yeah, and you know it's basically malpractice uh, mm-hmm. by the coach to leave him out of the starting lineup, all because mm-hmm. of a uh, of a petty of a petty little grudge. Mm-hmm. So now, so now because of that, Morocco uh, will advance to the semifinals instead of Portugal, and mm-hmm. that is basically the second of our upsets well, that have taken place this uh, that have taken place this weekend. Mm-hmm. Then in the main event, the so-called main event of uh, today's matchups, England versus France. And France advances to the semifinals with a two-to-one victory over the Brits. Uh, goals from Ar- uh, Arlien Tuchuameni and Olivier Giroud uh, gave France the two-one victory with England's lone goal coming from Harry Kane, which was on a penalty kick. His first. Yeah. of two penalty kicks, which I want to bring this question to you, Lou. Yeah. Do you believe that Kane should have taken that second kick like he did? I think he should have, yes. Honestly, you know, I think it should have been somebody different. Oh. Because when you think about it, uh, Kane, you know, when he attempted that second kick, he attempted to go to the exact same Spot that he went to the first time. Right. Problem is, he kicked it. He he had way too much power in that kick, and he ended it ended up sailing over the. Uh, you know, it ended up sailing over the crossbar. Uh, for obviously no goal. 
which ultimately ended up, uh, you know, giving France the win. I think if you had if you had chosen a different player to take that kick, maybe it would have been a two two tie, and we could have potentially been heading into extras. Who knew they taken the second kick? Well, I can't say for sure who could have who who should have taken right. the second kick, but uh, you know, because when, when you think about it, when a when a goalkeeper faces a player for the first time in that game, they see the way that that player is thinking. So obviously, they're going to be ready the second time around. Uh, assuming that that player is going to go for the exact same spot that he scored the first time, mm-hmm. which is exactly yep. what Harry Kane did or Harry Kane attempted. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, honestly, you know, and I, I spoke with a couple of my friends about this, and they said the same thing. Uh, England should have gone with somebody else even though Harry Kane would have set the new English record uh, that was previously held by, or that's currently held by Wayne Rooney. Uh, they would, he would have set the record for the most goals scored during a uh, World Cup for Team England. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, England falls. So now our two semifinal matchups, uh, the first one on Tuesday at 2 p.m., you have Argentina favored to win over Croatia, and that will be that will be on Fox. And for our second matchup, we have France taking on Morocco on Wednesday at 2 p.m. on Fox. Then we have the third place game, which will take place next Saturday on the 17th. Uh, where the two losers of the of the semifinals will meet up. Uh, they will meet up at 10 a.m. on Fox. And next Sunday, we will have the World Cup final at 10 a.m. on Fox to determine who will take home the World Cup. I mean, honestly... After the battle of the losers. You know, honestly, honestly, Lou... Uh, I said this, or you know, I said this last week on your show. Yes, you did. I I would have I would have said it would uh, you know I said it would be Argentina. I'm kind of thinking it might be France now, with how yeah, Mbappe right with with how Mbappe has played. Uh, he's the leader for the Golden Boot right now for the World Cup mm. by by one goal. With how he's played. I could, I could, I could really see France pota- potentially taking it over Argentina. I think the final. I was afraid you'd will say ultimately. That. I think the final will ultimately be Argentina and France, but I I'll think France is going to take it. I would love to. I would love to see Messi get that 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 one World Cup. I the would too. The problem is, and he has, he's been eluded from it. It's his time. The it's pro- his destiny. The, he's got to win. Yeah. The. Pro- the pro- the problem here though is I think that France is a little bit more a little bit more stacked as a mm. team overall as opposed to uh, uh, Argentina. Right. Mm. 
I mean, our, our, uh, it, it all depends. I mean, if they can, if they can somehow limit Mbappe uh, in the fi- in a potential finals matchup, I can I could potentially see Argentina taking it. But I mean, Mbappe, he's just he just commands control of that control of the ball. So yes, it would be hard to imagine, honestly, anybody else. Uh, taking it, so I think I think France honestly repeats as uh, yeah. a World Cup winner. Yeah, I think you're right, but I don't know. You know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong about it, and we see Messi uh, finally get finally get his World Cup win. I'll be the greatest soccer player in the world, and I have a World Cup. That's beyond me. Right. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to uh to even imagine that. Uh we do have some sad news though to report uh from the World Cup. Yes. In particular, uh Grant Wall, a, a American sports writer, uh passed away early today at the age of forty nine, uh while covering the World Cup. Uh he had randomly collapsed during the uh during the quarterfinal match between Argentina and the Netherlands uh where he then he then ended up uh receiving medical treatment on site before he was transferred to an area hospital by ambulance uh and so it's it said here that at the beginning of his football with Grant Wall podcast uh, on Thursday, which was released, he had said that he had bronchitis and he had been to the medical clinic twice that day, and he ended up canceling everything that he was supposed to do that day in order to take a nap. Uh, he said that he had felt better, but not a hundred percent. And basically, he said that uh, his his cough that he had gotten sounded like a death rattle sometimes. And from what it sounds like, it's not, it sounds like uh, everybody around the World Cup has been coughing like that. And from what it sounds, it, it kind of sounds mm-hmm. like it's not COVID related, because he said that they're that that they're not really seeing COVID cases in the area. Uh, we're just seeing a lot of general sickness, coughing, colds, and I can't wait to be on the other side of what I have. Uh, yeah. But uh, he was very ready to attend Friday's game and cover Argentina and Netherlands, where ultimately he ended up collapsing. And uh, from, you know, nobody nobody anticipated that it would be his last soccer game that he would cover. Uh, however, his brother, though, is not convinced and believes that there was foul play involved. And yeah. Alex, you're you're uh you're now you're now on the oh, show. Uh, welcome, Alex. Uh, hey. I mean, let's get everybody's thoughts on this. Um, obviously, Grant Wall is known for not just being a journalist, but also uh, he was known for being detained in Qatar. For wearing a LGBTQ plus uh, shirt as a uh, as a supporter, wow. 
I didn't know mm-hmm. about this. Yep, apparently so. That's a huge yeah, and uh, side note here. I didn't know about that. And then he suddenly, God bless him, he suddenly, uh, this tragedy strikes. I didn't know about the, the shirt controversy. Wow. Yeah, and anybody and anybody that's been following, they know, uh, or if you didn't, now you do. Um, yeah. About about Qatar's stance on LGBTQ, to where yeah. Yeah. they have uh, they had banned anybody from wearing or bringing in any sort of colorful clothing like that, as well as they banned the sale of alcohol as well. But that's an that's a completely different uh, a, a completely different story there because everybody wants their alcohol. Yeah. Uh, but Grant Wall, you know, he gets detained. Then all of a sudden, he randomly falls ill. Now, to be to be fair, though, he was detained uh, earlier during the World Cup. Uh, so but it wasn't still, like quite a coincidence. Quite a coincidence either way. I mean, that's really shady. I didn't know about that part. Yeah. Steve. Very interesting. And they're so strict about it. They're, they're, uh, that would lead me just – I'll throw my two cents. That would lead me to think that there's some kind of a foul play behind the scenes. It's almost like uh, yeah. the terrible craziness where it's like if you go against uh, Putin, you know, suddenly you fall off a, a cigarette boat or uh, you fall down the hotel lobby stairs the next week suddenly and uh, there's no witnesses suddenly. And uh, there's a lot of – there seems like there's a lot of smoke where there's a fire there with this with this journalist suddenly dying. That's that's really uh, there's. I think there's definitely foul play there. Right. Yeah. That's exact. You know. That's exactly what his brother believes too, is that there's foul play because yeah. he's not buying. Uh, he's not buying the whole thing that he uh, that his brother all of a sudden died of bronchitis. No. Right. Because that's what because that's what his brother had uh, in the days leading up to his death uh, was bronchitis, and then all of a sudden. Uh, he passes, you know, he uh, he completely yeah. falls uh, during uh, while he was covering the uh, Argentina quarterfinal yesterday. Terrible. Just but, like that. Um, you know, Alex, did you get the did you get the chance at all to watch any of uh, the games from the last couple of days? You know, I didn't. I unfortunately, I keep because I I love Lou's show just as much as yours. I keep having to miss that one because I'm working during the day on Saturdays now. So I didn't. I didn't yeah. see the France uh, England. I know Harry Kane. I really do like soccer, actually. And I, I um, I'm just. I was just reading. I got home about an hour ago. I, I had to do some stuff, and then I wanted to jump on as soon as I could. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed uh, Harry Kane lost the penalty. He missed his penalty kick, and uh, France emerged victorious. I didn't see two. I just didn't see. I wasn't able to, to really see it at all today, unfortunately. Did you guys check it out? Yeah, that was his. That was his second of the day. Actually, he had made the oh first kick, and he went wow. in the second kick. In the second kick, he went to the exact same spot. Uh, he aimed uh-huh. at the exact same spot, and then he ended up. Uh, he end, the kick ended up sailing wide over the uh, over the crossbar. Oh my god! And you know, it, it, it kind of makes you wonder. Do you think, or do you think England would have been better off going with somebody else taking that second penalty kick? Because personally, 
you kind personally, of, I know he's you a, kind of think he's a legendary. Play- yeah, I mean, I, well, he's a legendary player and a, a, like yeah. the country's best goal scorer. I, it's like you know, it's like your best player missed a couple free throws. You still want him, you know, redemption. Mm-hmm. You still want him to give him another shot down at the end of the fourth quarter. I, I would because think about it, if they brought in someone else and they missed it, then the then the co- I mean, this would be under less fire and less criticism. Then if you went to someone else and they missed it again, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I'd probably stick with my top striker to take that shot again. So would I. I'd stick with Kane. Yeah. Tough, though. Debate. I mean, here's, here's, here's my problem here is that, you know, when a, goal, when a goalkeeper faces the same guy in mul- multiple times during a game, they, you know, after that first attempt, they now know where they're going to go during that second uh during that second attempt. Yeah. So, you know, wouldn't it be better to go with somebody else so that you know, you keep you keep the goalkeeper guessing? Point, and I've never really thought about that from I've never really seen this happen where there was controversy where so he got two in the, both in the second half. Two chances. Mm-hmm. Uh no, wow. he got he got his first he got his first one in the first half and uh the second one in the second half. Yeah, and I yeah, now that I think about it twice, I mean and, and England's a very talented nation with soccer. I'm sure they do have a couple guys that are pretty savvy when it comes to penalty kicks. So yeah, I mean maybe on second thought, maybe they should have gone to someone else. I know they have Raheem, they have a couple of really like worldwide gold scorers on their team. It's not like uh, it's not like USA's roster right now where they have that one guy Pulisic is like the guy scoring. England does have some different weapons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean there's a reason off. why there's a reason why they were considered to be uh, you know one of the favorites to uh, they were you know to go all the way this year and. Wow. You know, it's kind of surprising that mm-hmm. they ultimately Gosh. they ultimately ended up uh, ended up falling. Uh, well, I shouldn't say surprising, but because uh, I mean they were facing the uh, defending champions. But That's you true. know, it just it's just it's just you kind of saw how much better France was compared to England in this World Cup. Wow. The fact I mean, I know growing England, up, I mean, I'm, I'm yes. in my 40s now. I know growing up, I mean, England was like, you guys probably remember that too. They were, yeah. they've always been really powerful. So it's not like there's some random young team just trying to make well, the mark. Brazil England was very too, so with Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But I mean, England's been down this road before. They've been to this grand stage. They're a very proud uh, soccer That's nation for sure. Not their first rodeo. Yeah, and they would have Let's broken. Uh, Harry Harry Kane, if he had gotten that goal, uh, he would have broken Wayne Rooney's record for the for the uh, most goals scored by a team England wow. player in a single World Cup. Yeah, so that that was their other huge goal scorer coming up. I remember him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, you know, at the end of the day, not to oh. sound weird, but you know, gun to my head, or if I had to bet a hundred bucks, I, if I were the coach, I would leave him in for a second. Uh, I'd let him do yeah. it again because I'd have trouble sleeping tonight and I'd be getting probably fired overnight if, as a head coach if I went away from him and had someone else kick it. 
It's just too tough, right. bro. Well, you know what you I mean? It's like if you have it, Gret- Gret- not Gretzky, but if you have like the best player on the National Predators or the New Jersey Devils, the best goal scorer, you want taking that one, that one incredibly important moment. You still yeah. want to give that guy a second True. chance. You, you want to give him a second. You want to give him a second chance on the biggest stage True. ever. You know, well, yeah. maybe I'll try this guy. He's, he he was good in practice. Maybe I'll try him. Like it's really hard not to what? give Harry Kane another chance. Yeah, when when you think about it though, uh imagine imagine the kind of uh the kind of uh response that Harry Kane is now facing from not yeah. just uh not just fans but also the English media now. Because of the fact that he wait. missed that. It's not even an NBA finals or a World Series where you, you have one off season. Now he's got four years. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, Kane's probably thirty or early 30s, he's not a, you know, nowadays, four-year wait, so a lot of these cycle through, he might not, uh, he might be a substitute, but this might be his last shot to really be mm. the man for England. I don't know how old he is, I gotta look it up. He won't be taking him next time. Uh, won't be taking that PK in four years if they get back. Right. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I, Lou, what would you do, or Steve? I mean, what, I, I'd, I'd let the guy take two. He's my best goal scorer. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just – I don't know if I would go I, – I don't know if I would go with it, if I would go with him for a second straight time because the goalkeeper would yeah. know where he's going in that second uh, – you know, in that second attempt. I would want to keep him guessing. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good point. I mean that's just that's just me though you know I would I would I would probably want to keep him guessing, and in doing so, by the way his uh his, his entire uh insi- or his entire Wikipedia page has now been turned uh to complete uh it's been turned to complete French. Oh my god! Yeah, the English. The soccer fan hooligans were probably having a heck of a uh, long day with libations and drinks. They probably are mm. absolutely terrorizing them on all forms of social media right now in England. They go nuts it's, for their it's soccer. Just, it's uh, they really take it so seriously over there. They're I mean, that's They're just extreme. yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's it. They can be they can be pretty vicious. At times, um, but you know, I, I you know, like one, I, like that's, I said, that's their one sport. I mean, I would think about it that way. That's their one. That's their NBA, their NHL, their MLB. That's their one sport over there. It's soccer times a hundred. Every yeah, kid, every true. grandfather, every grandmother, every girlfriend, everyone's watching all those games growing up. Yeah, that's, that's their that's their league. That's their everything. So everything is so amplified. Every bad play is so magnified. It's just yeah. a whole different level of passion and and kind of insanity. When they when it goes wrong, they just lose their their shit, their their minds. Yeah. Speaking of the NFL, I don't know if you heard about this, Alex. Uh, have you heard about the uh, recent Washington Commanders uh, stuff? <laughs> it's been about 24 hours since I was since I was working today. So what did I miss with the Daniel Snyder uh, drama? So, what did I miss now? Yeah, 
Yeah, there's more Daniel Snyder <laughs> drama. Uh, in particular, yep, yep. Uh, and this uh, this has received uh, national coverage. We're not talking just on sports. We're talking uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. Uh, so the, the House Oversight Committee did an investigation into the Washington Commanders following uh, the report that came out by the NFL where the NFL only fined them $10 million uh, and they had claimed that Dan Snyder had quote unquote learned his lesson. Uh, The government was not, the government was not enthused by that. So they did an investigation of their own. And apparently uh, their investigation revealed that dozens of employees of the Washington commanders were harmed for more than two decades because of a toxic work culture. Uh, and they also found this same report also found that team owner Daniel Snyder intimidated cooperative witnesses, witnesses that cooperated with that report. Uh, wow. The title of the report mm-hmm. is the title of the report is Conduct Detrimental: How the NFL and the Washington Commanders Covered Up Decades of Sexual Misconduct. Uh, so basically, that they said that uh, the results of the committee's investigation are clear. Sexual harassment, bullying, and other toxic conduct pervade, pervaded the workplace at the Washington Commanders and were perpetuated, perpetrated uh, by a culture of fear instilled by the team's owner. And uh, the NFL, through the investigation conducted by Ms. Wilkinson, was aware that Mr. Snyder and other team executives not only failed to stop this misconduct, but also engaged in it themselves. The league also knew that Snyder and the commander's organization used a variety of tactics to intimidate, surveil, and pay off whistleblowers and to influence and obstruct Ms. Wilkinson's work. Rather than seek real accountability, the NFL aligned its legal interests with Mr. Snyder's, failed to curtail his abusive tactics, and buried the investigation's findings. The committee's investigation demonstrates the urgent need for workplace reform. Uh, Let's see. Uh, One of the things in particular that they had found was the fact that – both like it, a lot of it had to do with the uh with the cheerleaders in particular oh yeah um let me let me see I heard about him Hang basically having like auditions where they'd have like photos and like hey look at these look at this girl trying out like you'd like share photos in the office just awful <laughs> yeah and that you know uh there, yeah. were, there were rumors there were rumors apparently that they had they had they they had certain uh, they had certain girls strip supposedly. <laughs> I mean that's just even worse. It's, you know it's the same road. It's just even yeah. worse. Same idea. You can't 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 do any of that stuff. And he's a real piece of you know he's a real work. He's a real piece of work. All this stuff. Basically, he's been going on for years. The, the fans hate him. And you know what? It's interesting. One of my buddies from work is a big uh, Washington fan. They're they're actually very very legit now. The team. 
they cannot wait for them to finally sell it. Yeah. They have, they have a pretty darn good team. They have a, they, have a, they have a good team now. I like Heinke. But, I mean, either way, it's just a dark cloud with this guy owning owning the team. Yeah. I mean, it also it also says here that Mr. Snyder publicly assailed witnesses, refused to release former employees from their confidentiality obligations, and blocked the committee's access to tens of thousands of documents collected during the Wilkinson investigation. Despite Mr. Snyder's public pledge to cooperate with the committee's investigation, he refused to testify at a public hearing, dodged a duly issued congressional subpoena, and failed to testify fully and completely in a committee deposition. Uh, Snyder also leaked derogatory documents about witnesses as, quote-unquote, retaliation for their cooperation with the committee. It says here that he released internal documents from the email accounts of former employees who cooperated with the investigation. Yeah, it's just terrible. So he's witness intimidation, like the mafia. So, yeah, so one such instance here, and actually, you know, I talked about this earlier, but this I found, I just found a link here that goes further in depth uh, in this. It's a one such instance involved former Commander's President Bruce Allen. Snyder's lawyers had sent an email to the committee's staff on the eve of Allen's deposition. The email included a set of documents from Allen's tenure with the team that Snyder's lawyers deemed relevant to his deposition. The email suggested the documents be shared with Allen so he would have an opportunity to review them prior to his deposition. The documents included emails with embarrassing language and inappropriate content, according to the report. These emails, which were apparently collected from Mr. Allen's commander's account, included those that that had been leaked to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times back in October of 2021. When asked why he believed Mr. Snyder would provide the tranche of documents the night before his deposition, Mr. Allen explained that Mr. Snyder was trying to send a message to him to, quote, unquote, be careful. According to Mr. Allen, Mr. Snyder's actions signaled that, and I quote, owns me with these emails, which affect my coworkers, the alumni, my family, and friends. Yeah, so basically, breeding an environment of fear and intimidation yeah. so no one can speak out against him. And also, there are some of the uh, workplace misconduct stuff. Uh, there's some that are further in depth here. Uh, it says here that Snyder sexually harassed female subordinates for years and even had mm-hmm. secret soft porn videos made of cheerleaders, former employees, uh, according to former yes. employees uh, that had told a congressional committee back in February. Six former employees made the allegations. Uh, oh, yeah, they were. Th- those allegations were made by six former employees. Uh, one of the former employees, uh, named Tiffany Johnston, made new allegations against Snyder on Thursday, saying that he placed his hand on her thigh without her consent at a team dinner, and that he pushed her towards his limousine with his land on, or land with his hand on her lower back. 
uh, basically saying he left his hand on the middle of my thigh until I physically removed it. Uh, so describing the incident outside his limousine, she said the only reason Dan Snyder removed his hand from my back and stopped pushing me towards his limo was because his attorney intervened and said, Dan, Dan, this is a bad idea. Yes. Uh, and then she learned that she should remove himself or herself from Dan's grip while his attorney was distracting him. Uh, one of their former marketing directors, Melanie Coburn, and one-time video production manager Brad Baker both repeated the allegation that Snyder had secret videos made for him called, and I quote, the good bits from video that, were, that was recorded at cheerleader shoots, uh, saying that we trusted the production team to capture footage and keep it safe. Little did we know they were zooming in on private parts and keeping cameras rolling during costume changes. Uh-huh. According to Coburn. And uh representatives of the team have representatives uh for the team have denied the allegations from the hearing. Yeah, I mean the guy should be out of a job. They should pull the uh, Donald Sterling and just remove him as an owner. Yes. Yeah, I mean, definitely. that right there, uh, honestly, he he has more skeletons in his closet, honestly, than, than what they revealed about Donald Sterling. I mean, Donald yeah, Sterling, yeah, he was a – yeah, you know, Sterling was a racist, but that's really all that – you know, he was really removed this is from the NBA worse. for. You know, I mean, this is basically a st- – this is – I mean, granted, you know, let's – we can't really compare racism to, you know, sexual misconduct and stuff like that. But, no. I mean, there's that, which is one incident or or one, uh, you know, one batch of things – and then there's multiple things here with the commanders. And you could kind of argue, too, that this bit of information from the commanders may have been why John Gruden got fired. Because that was, stuff was yeah. – because one of, his, one of his emails was part of the stuff that was leaked out from the commander's investigation, which then led to his firing from the Raiders. So if I'm John yeah, Gruden, I'm licking my chops right now. Oh, Gruden's wasn't nearly as bad, let's be totally honest. Was it good? No. But it wasn't, didn't approach this. Yeah, I mean, obviously what, what Gruden did was wrong, but at the same time, you know, this kind of proves that he was basically, uh, that he was basically a victim of Dan Snyder. Yeah, I agree. Yes. But anyway, uh, you know, enough about that topic. Uh, How about uh, going to the NFL and, in particular, the playoff situation that's currently going on in the NFL? In particular, uh, we'll go to one of the playoff teams in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, 
who will be without Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with a broken foot. However, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he may be eligible to return for the playoffs. But Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Irrelevant from this past NFL draft, uh, he came in in relief, threw for 210 yards and two touchdowns, but he also did throw a pick as well. Uh, in relief of Garoppolo. And now, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he will start the rest of the season for the 49ers. Uh, Here's a question, though. Could we potentially, I mean, granted, let's face it, Purdy is nowhere near the quarterback that Brady is or was. He is not. But could we have potentially another situation here where if Purdy performs well enough, that we may see another Brady, uh, another Brady Bledsoe situation. Mm, I don't know if we'll go that far. I mean, Purdy is no but, Brady for sure. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, don't know. I think the question is, if he's good, will he start the rest of the season? We're starting next season to have Garoppolo. Yeah, like would you go would you would you stick with Purdy in the playoffs even if Garoppolo returns, or would you go back to Garoppolo as soon as Garoppolo mm-hmm. returns? Tough decision to be honest. If Purdy performs well, like say say the forty ers win out the rest of the season yeah. here and they make the playoffs and Purdy performed pretty good during, uh, during the, the last couple of games. Do you stick with Purdy or do you go back with Garoppolo or do you go back to Garoppolo? I think maybe if Purdy does one of them, I think you stick with him. Yeah. If he does well enough, you'll stick with him. If he does that well, excuse me. You know, we're not. It's not been decided yet, and I don't know if Garoppolo will be ready. You know, being being out with that kind of injury, when I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be up to it. I don't think we're up to par. Yeah, you know that's another factor. Yeah, that's another factor to think of as well. And actually, it's funny I mentioned the comparison to Tom Brady, or not comparing him to Tom Brady, because he is facing Tom Brady this week. Uh, with the Niners uh, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, when is this happening? <laughs> uh, it is the 4:25 game on Fox tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be. Uh, I don't know if it'll be broadcast in the uh, in the Northeast or not, um, mm. or if we may get. It might. Or I, I don't I don't even know who has the double header tomorrow if it's CBS or if it's Fox, right? Because CBS CBS has the uh, Chiefs and Broncos, but let me see. Yeah, I can actually. Yeah, but I can I can actually I can actually take a look real quick here. Uh so the one o'clock game in my area, at least, is the Eagles and Giants on Fox. 
And then, oh yeah, okay. So Tampa Bay and San Francisco is the four the four twenty five game. So okay. Fox does have the uh, does have the double header. That's actually a pretty good. Uh, that's actually a, pr- a pretty good lineup for tomorrow. Um, Giants Eagles is always a good one. That should be a fun one. You know, not though, according I just, to weather conditions, though. Yeah, conditions yeah, that's right. No? Snow. Wow. Well, rain, but it's gonna be ugly. Well, for my yeah, area, rain will affect the football but... game. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be. Uh, it's it's going to be, and you know that's a pre, that's a pretty big uh, a pretty big a, a pretty big game, in particular for the Giants too. So for yes. the Giants and the Eagles, um, but I will say that I will congratulate the Eagles on officially winning the division because that Giants and Commanders tie pretty much ensured, uh, I think that the Eagles will win that division. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. the Eagles like still have the Cowboys. They still have the Cowboys it, to contend with, but, you know, it's, I mean, from what it sounds like, like, it, it, it sounds like the, the Eagles could potentially run it the rest of the way. Yes, they probably could. Dallas is getting that confidence back. We'll see. But, yeah, tomorrow – Eagles should be one yeah. step closer. I mean, I I think they'll win a sloppy game by you know three, four, five, six points. It'll be sloppy spread, for sure. Spread seven, spread seven and a half. I'm not touching that. Yeah, no, hell no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it if I were you. That's the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Four, four yeah, point or field goal game. How, fourth quarter. Considering how unpredictable the uh, Giants have been, in particular when it comes to uh, the spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And also, uh, who knew that all it took was a competent offensive line and competent receivers for Baker Mayfield to show that he's good again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Panthers dumped him after having a sucky season. He goes to the Rams and pulls off Morag- and pulls off you know, like um, their version of the, miracle- the uh, medical of the miracle. The uh, miracle of the Meadowlands. Yeah, that was absurd. I may or may not have taken, I may, I may or may not have uh, put a few tokens on the uh, Raiders. I was a little bit shocked. Oh, I Baker Montana. He's like playing like Joe mm-hmm. Montana. He's been there for less than two days. And I mean, are you? You can't. There's not a worse way to lose a bet than that. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if there's if there's one thing I've learned, if there's one thing I've learned, you never you never bet on a Josh McDaniels led team. You're almost guaranteed right. that he's going to blow it somehow. Yeah, I should have not done that. Uh, they were leading 13 to 3 uh at the half yeah. Vegas was. They were leading 13 to 3. Actually, they were leading 16 to 3 and then LA came back with two straight touchdowns. To to uh to win it, and that's the yeah, second playing, or no that's the like fourth plus. game. Jesus, yeah, and I I saw that's the a, end. I didn't see some of it, but I saw the end. They were playing like prevent, and then they the Raiders could I guess the Raiders got like maybe two first downs in the second half. I mean, what? Is, 
just like begging for them to come back and beat them. That's awful. Now it's yeah. do or die. The Rams are pretty much eliminated. The Raiders had everything to play for, and they couldn't even hold on against Baker Mayfield. Who's, yeah, again, and now been there they're essentially, and now they're yeah, essentially he li- eliminated too. I mean, as, as a pro quarterback, you guys know, I mean, two days, he probably didn't even know the playbook. He's just like making up plays, and they scored two drives in a row in the fourth quarter. I, I've never – yeah. Tough to stomach. I mean, it's just it, – it, it, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing now when you lose to a jo- – when, when, when you're Josh McDaniels. And, and, you know, everybody was saying, oh, McDaniels was responsible for the New England offenses of the past decade. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, his record as head coach, you know, he's clearly not a head coach. He's clearly not head coaching material, basically. No. Yeah. It starts the coach. He's got to go. I mean, they've been a massive disappointment. Well, the Raiders are stuck with him for at least one more year because the Raiders can't afford. They don't have the money to fire him and then bring in a new coach. Mm. So they are stuck with him for at least one more year. Wow, that's nuts. And, I mean, they're 5-8 and eight right now. Now they're 5-8 and eight because of the loss to the Rams. And, man, I mean, the, you know, the best that they can finish, they can hope to, they can hope to win out and, you know, maybe finish uh, one game over 500. But as far as their playoff chances go, I mean, it's, I they're, doubt they're it. at number, they're at number 12 right now and seven teams make the playoffs. So it's not looking good for uh for the Raiders right now. You could kind of say, I mean, you have the Browns and the Steelers who are ahead of them right now in the playoff race. Maybe. So, and and the Steel I mean, just imagine the Steelers with how bad that they have played with how bad they've looked this year. Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, the Raiders have probably been the biggest disappointment in the league. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, honestly, it, it's, just, it's just embarrassing the way that with how many games that they've led by double digits this year, four, four or five games that they've led with double digits, and they've, all, they've blown it each time in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it's just embarrassing. It's yeah. just embarrassing. Uh, by the Raiders at this point. But as the as it stands right now, uh there are the current playoff spots uh for the AFC, you have the Bills on top of the AFC at 9 and 3. The Chiefs are in second. Uh you have the Ravens in third uh at 8 and 4. You have uh you have the Titans at seven and five and fourth. Um in fifth you have the Cincinnati Bengals at eight and four. 
that's mainly because that's mainly because obviously the uh um the first four the first four teams in each uh in each playoff picture are of course the divisional leaders um then at number five, yeah, Bengals are at number five. Uh, let's see. Number six, you have the Dolphins at eight and four. And you have the Jets just barely hanging in there at seven and five with uh, the Patriots on the bubble at six and six, as well as the Chargers on the bubble at six and six. So. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I guess to an extent, you could say the Browns and Steelers are maybe still in it, depending on what happens this week. But yeah, but uh, hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And as far as the uh, NFC goes, you have the Eagles. On top in the NFC with eleven uh, an eleven and one record, uh, you have the Minnesota Vikings at number two at ten and two, the San Francisco Forty ers at eight and four, they are in the third spot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the fourth spot at six and six, very surprising when you think about it. Uh, you have the Cowboys at nine and three, but yet they're in the fifth spot. The Giants are in the sixth spot at seven, four, and one. And the Geno Smith led Seattle Seahawks are seven and five in the seventh spot. Geno Smith. Oh, hang on. We have breaking we have breaking news. The New York Mets have signed Kodai Senga, starting yes. pitcher Huge. from Japan. Okay, nice. another Japan pitcher. And once again, Heim Bloom loses out on yet another player he was going after. Guys, really good. We'll see. We'll see. Well, there's always the chance of the uh, Arabu. But apparently yeah. this guy is legit. You know, I did a whole entire rant on high, on on Red Sox management earlier. Supposedly the Red Sox were negotiating with Code with Kodai Senga on a seven year deal. And by the way, I've seen this guy's this guy's stuff. He has nasty stuff. So uh, the Mets. They got themselves a good one here if he translates well to the to, over to the majors. Yeah, I mean, he sounds legit, Steve. We'll see. You know, we've all been on this road before. We'll see it when we see it. But he's got really good stuff, apparently. Yeah, and not just that, but uh, let's see. Is there? Any, let me see if it, if it'll does not say what the deal is. 
right now. But uh, it was reported by Andy Martino at, uh, at SNY. Oh, here we go. Five years, $75 million. Wow, that's a good deal, man. Yeah. Seems like it. I was waiting. When you said five years, I was waiting for like $100 million plus. Who knows, though? I mean, he could totally flame out. He could totally bust. So, but I think that's good. a good contract. It's not, it's not absolutely crazy. Yeah, you know, that's actually, that's actually a pretty good deal. For, especially for Japanese pitchers, uh, most Japanese pitchers translate well over to the majors. Yes. Reading about him, he's six foot two. He throws ninety six. He can top at a hundred. Oh yes. How yeah. old is he? That, he I'm looking that at he right can. Now. Uh, he is twenty nine, I think. That's a pretty damn. That's a darn good deal. I think. I might be wrong. I'm a little biased, but sounds like a good deal. No, I actually agree with you. That's actually a pretty good deal when you consider when you consider uh the other Japanese player that's signed uh in particular with the Boston Red Sox. Uh when the Red Sox signed uh Masahiro or, or Masataka Yoshida to a five year ninety million dollar deal for an unproven player. I mean, granted, Kodai Senga is the same, but uh, a lot of people have considered the Yoshida contract uh, an overpay, as Yoshida is now now holds the new record for any Japanese position player making the jump over from Nippon professional baseball to the majors, as the record was just set last spring by Seiya Suzuki, who signed with the Cubs. Yeah on a five-year, $85 million deal. Oh, wow. However, though, uh, Yoshida, uh, the last seven years he's played in the NPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League, uh, he has a career 327 batting average, and he was also hitting in a hitter-friendly, or I mean in a pitcher-friendly park. And... Uh, for despite being listed at just five foot eight, he's topped twenty one home runs in four of the last five years in a pitcher friendly ballpark. So that kind of makes you wonder, what is he going to do in a hitter friendly ballpark like Boston? Yeah. Now, what what position is he? Uh, outfield. Okay. And from what it sounds like, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he'll play left field. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. In particular. I, I just, I don't know. You know more than me about them. I mean, you're more disgruntled. I mean, they, how do you let uh, Bogarts go? And then it's like, I don't know what they're yeah. doing in Boston. Oh, boy. You know, with yeah. Bogarts. So disheartening. Deflating. Here's the here's the thing here's the thing with that contract, uh, and you know I said it I said it earlier tonight and I said it on Lou's show as well. Uh, that contract I can understand why Boston didn't go 11 years. He's going to be 41 at the end of that deal. I guarantee yes. you the last 
the last three or four years of that deal are probably going to be horrific at at the, especially at the average annual value that they have it at, which I think is like twenty seven, twenty eight million per year. Yeah. So, you know, I I guess I'm not really, I'm not really that. I mean, yeah, of course I'm upset at Red Sox management for not doing more, for not trying to uh, re-sign Bogarts, but you know. If they had given him what they last offered him, which was six years at 160 mil, I guarantee you he mm-hmm. probably would have taken that in spring training instead of the four years, 90 million that they offered. But, I mean, Bogarts, to his credit, he did go back to them and say, look, uh, San Diego gave me a hell of an offer you know, are you guys willing to come close? And the Red Sox weren't. So, uh, you know, there go. That's – this this isn't anything new, honestly, to Boston fans because they've done this to homegrown stars. They've done this to homegrown stars multiple times. They did it to John Lester. That's why Lester jumped uh, from Boston to Chicago. Uh, they did it to Mookie Betts, and Mookie, of course, ended up leaving uh, and in one of the worst trades possible. And now they've done it to Bogarts, and they're probably going to do it to Devers, too. So... But, yeah, you're right, though. Yeah. The end of that deal is, is pretty absurd. The end of that deal, Padres are just throwing bank truckloads of money everywhere. And Very now, deal. Uh, now, I guess, apparently the plan is uh, they're going to try and go after Correa or Swanson, and chances are they're not going to sign either one. So, instead, they'll probably have Trevor Story with his weakened arm go over to shortstop. Wow, and uh, they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have Christian Arroyo become the everyday second baseman, which I can tell you right now is a massive fucking downgrade. Massive downgrade. Yeah, exactly. Wow. What is he? Just a deplorable fielder? Because I know his stats are they're they're solid. His offensive stats are okay. Arroyo. Uh, let's put it this way. Bogarts with 15 homers, Bogarts with 15 homers had bigger stats than Arroyo. Yeah. You know, it it just, it just makes it, it, it really tests my patience as a fan. Because now I'm, you know, I'm looking at this season like there's no fucking way they're going to contend. You know, the management, all management cares about now is making money. I mean, hell, John Henry is even raising ticket prices for a fifth place team. Yeah. Yeah, that's just awful. That's not cool at all. Stupid's a better word. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I mean, management doesn't give a fuck, so why should I? Right. Yeah, pretty much. Why invest all they your time care about, your heart, your energy? All they care about is raising. Yeah, that's they're raising t- they're raising ticket prices, and Henry claims it's because of the rising uh, uh, the rising inflation. Bull fucking shit. Exactly. If you're gonna raise ticket prices, at least at least try and please your fans like the Yankees do. Yeah. The Yankees but, may rise ticket prices. Yeah, the Yankees may rise ticket prices, but at least they put a product out on the field. I mean, this is a slap in the face to Red Sox fans. You know, you, it's hard yeah. to find a more passionate. You know, they know their baseball. They don't deserve this. They're not small market. They're not half-ass fans. This isn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any of the Padres, half the crowd is surfing. They probably don't even saw it, the stadium half as much as Boston. And they get spoiled with all these massive superstars. And then Boston, old school, extremely traditional, proud franchise, and they're screwing over their fans. Yeah. It's almost like John Henry is like, hey, I gave you guys four World Series titles while you guys hadn't won one in 86 years. So now he's trying to get money back. Problem. (laughs) Trying to get money back out. Yeah. Problem. Hell, he care at this point. He cares more. He cares more about. uh, You know, he cares more about uh, potentially acquiring the Washington Commanders and getting an NBA expansion franchise. Yep, seems like it. Terrible. And you know what? Immediately, as soon as the Bogarts news broke out, who was the first person to get thrown under the bus by John Henry's Boston Globe? It wasn't John Henry. It was Heim Bloom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heim Bloom was the first one to get thrown under the bus immediately. Almost as if they had the almost as if they had the article already typed up and ready to be published. Wow. Yeah. So John Henry, and I've said this multiple times on, on Twitter, John Henry, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you for, for giving up on this team, a team that has gotten you your wealth over the past two decades. Fuck you. Yeah. And I hope you fucking sell the team. I hope you fucking sell the team to somebody who actually gives a fuck. Exactly. Yeah, it's just insulting at this point. It is. I mean, hell, you take a look at all the... Yeah, go for it. You take a look at all the Boston. You take a look at all the Boston teams in major sports leagues. The Bruins, they barely have any cap space. Why? Yeah. Because they spend. The Celtics, they barely have any cap space. Why? Because they spend. The Patriots. I mean, hell, they're they're in the middle of the pack, but still, they spend on players. 
the Red Sox, the only reason why their number was so fucking high this year was because of Chris Sale's albatross of a contract. They had a shit ton of money coming off of the books this year. And what do they have to show for it? They have Kenley Jan- they have Kenley Jansen who by the way I actually like that move, but still it's a two-year deal and he's an aging closer. They have Chris Martin, once again a deal that I liked, but still he's not a young player. He's he's in his 30s. Mm-hmm. And then you have Yo- and then you bring in Yoshida God knows if he's going to be if he's going to translate over to the majors or not. Well, I mean it's it's just different. embarrassing at this point. It's embarrassing by Red Sox management. You 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 signed those three guys, but yet you let a fan favorite and the soul, the heart and soul of this team, and Xander Bogarts go. I mean, what the fuck is going to happen to Devers now? If you're not going to sign Bogarts, how are we supposed to believe you're going to sign Devers? Yeah, now Devers is in his camp, his agent. They're already looking for the door. I mean, I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, with the deal that Aaron Judge got this offseason, you can kind of expect the same deal that Devers uh, for Devers. Five young bat in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's Devers? Twenty-five years old. Uh, I think so. Yes, he'll be a uh, he'll be a free agent uh, this upcoming off season. Or so next off season he'll be a free agent. Oh, and not to mention, Red Sox management lied to Kike Hernandez to get him to sign yes. his extension by claiming that the Red Sox would be way better in twenty twenty three. When when in reality they look worse right now. Yes. They still have yet to replace Nate Eovaldi, who is still on the free agent market, and who knows, you know, maybe they're going to bring him back. But they need they need starting pitching. There's still holes that this team needs to fill, and maybe perhaps that's why they didn't re-sign Bogarts. But you, it's like you fill certain holes, but then you dig an even fucking deeper one by releasing mm-hmm. Bo, by by letting Bogarts leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. From an outside perspective, they cannot be a better team right now without Bogart. I mean, it's it's a major it's a major free fall to go from Bogarts to having Story as your as your shortstop, and then putting Christian Arroyo in. Like, let me bring up let me bring up Arroyo's stats. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, Bogarts, I think Bogarts batted, like, close to 300 this year, or somewhere around there. Uh, Arroyo batted 286 with six homers. Oh, my God, why why is this screwing up? 
with six homers and 36 RBIs and 87 games played. That's you're going to that's going to be your second baseman to start off this year. Barring any other moves being made. I mean, Story Arroyo, come on, that's not that's just not a good middle infield. No. Especially for a big market team in an incredibly hard division. It's not going to cut it. And I'll tell you right now, Red Sox Twitter is fucking blowing up right now. They're pissed. They're pissed oh, at the fact that uh, you know, there were reports. So irate right now. Yeah, totally. There were reports. There were reports that were out that claimed that the Red Sox were in heavy negotiations with Kodai Senga. And. I mean, some some were saying that he that it would be uh, it would be uh, you know they were negotiating on a seven year deal with Senga, and now he only signs for five years with the Mets. And by the way, there is yeah. an opt out. Uh, th- th- there is a uh, a no trade uh, a no trade clause as part of this deal for Senga with the Mets. And there's also an opt-out after year three of the five-year deal as part of Senga's uh, contract. So The Mets, not the sidetrack, but Mets-wise, it's a great deal. I mean, now he's 29-year-old, but the top of their rotation is pretty much two 40-year-olds. So they needed – I mean, 29 seems pretty darn young compared to what, what else they got cooking. Right. I mean, that, that pretty much saved it after the DeGrom debacle. I mean, I love Verlander, but he's 40. So, they saved some face there with Senga. I, I, you know, I just can't look forward to having Trevor Story at shortstop, considering he doesn't have the arm to be a shortstop anymore. And he specifically said that he would sign to only be a second baseman. But I guarantee you. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know you said that. That's like, uh, wow, Mm. the opposite of confidence. So I guarantee guarantee you that they're going to have him. They're going to have him switch back to shortstop. I guarantee it. Yeah, you better earn that money. And not for nothing. I mean, everyone, there was a sense that when you leave Colorado, you know what happens to those stats. So I wasn't exactly uh, clapping. I, I didn't think it was an incredible signing when they were when they first got story. And then he's, I don't know. He hasn't been a good signing so far. I don't know if he's going to suddenly uh, recapture his form right. when he was hit mile high, where you know a pop up is a home run. It's not quite translating to Fenway. And, you know, they promised that there were going to be trades made, too. Where are the fucking trades? Right. It's just more bullshit. It's more lip service. They're obviously just lying all the way around, which is really terrible. I, I mean, I got to I gotta give credit to the Yankees organization. At least the fuck – at least, at least Cashman and, uh, and Steinbrenner give a fuck about their team. Yeah. 
I mean, as much as it pains me, as much as as much as it pains me to say that as a Red Sox fan, at least they give a fuck about their team. As you yeah, should. John Henderson's doing like the worst of any any GM I think in sports right now. Just it's disgrace. With all their money, they're just trying to save money and cut corners. It's not fair to the fan base at all. The Boston Rays. That's what they are right now. The Boston Rays. The Boston Rays. And you said it uh, like a month ago on the show, Steve, very uh, astutely, very very wisely. You said uh, when when Bloom came in, lo and behold, that's I guess that's what they're planning to become the Rays, the Rays of uh, the East Coast. I mean, they're just cutting money yeah. left and right since that guy since that guy came to Boston. They're they're uh, hitting the dollar store and ponds everywhere they can go. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely it's definitely a fucking disgrace at this point. Yeah. I mean, Heim. I wonder if he even realizes that he's just Henry's fall guy. <laughs> I think he, yeah. Yeah, pretty much he is. So, anyways, uh, you know, I'm going to cut it a little bit short for tonight. Um, we do have only a couple right. minutes left anyways. Uh, but I do want to thank uh, everybody for calling in tonight and for uh, anybody who listened live but just didn't uh, uh, join in. Uh, thank you to Lou. Thank you to Diane. Thank you to Alex for joining me tonight. Uh, a reminder, the Survivor 43 finale uh, recap show will be this Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com slash AE. Like I said before, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by doing so at blogtalkradio.com slash AE or by going to iTunes, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, and I'm sure there's probably something else I, I forgot to mention too, but uh you yeah. can find us pretty much on any of the any of the major uh streaming uh apps. But anyways, uh we will be back mm-hmm. next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh everybody have a great rest of your weekend and we will see you guys next Saturday night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.